Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. How are y'all doing? Welcome to the show. You know, summer's coming and um, I'm hyper, hyper aware of that. And so, you know, these topics are always topics that apply, sadly, in some ways, um, for the duration of, uh, our lives. And, um, we bump into certain things more so at certain seasonal times. So, you know, I'm talking more about our relationship to fitness and exercise. And tonight we're going to talk again about our relationship to our bodies, but, um, it's going to be something that involves also looking at our relationship to food. Sometimes it's a difficult conversation. I want people to really center their own experience of these topics. And it can be really hard to realize that maybe you have some disordered eating or some disordered exercise habits. Uh, the first step in between, <clears throat> excuse me, the first step of behavior change is awareness, awareness as to what I'm trying to work on, awareness as to how I am, awareness as to what it is I'm trying to work towards. Um, and then slowly you start to uh, step into it. Uh, awareness is the most powerful thing we have, mindfulness. Most of us, again, move through the world very unconsciously, not mindful of anything. Watching people eat while they're on their phone. They are not mindful of anything that's happening around them. They're not mindful of the food or the taste. Um, we're always kind of distracted and disconnected. I work with clients who even when they're being intimate on all the different levels are paying attention to, am I doing it right? How do I look? What are they thinking? We don't bring a lot of mindfulness. Um, it's rare. And, and you can see moments of it when someone's in the, in the flow. You see that a lot with athletes. Such a narrow and, and targeted um, lens applied to what they're doing where they hear and see nothing but their opponent or the tennis ball or the basket or the goal. That That's a moment of flow. That's a moment of deep mindfulness. Um, you'll see it with people. Well, you'll see it at times. You can catch it. But when we're adding layer upon layer upon layer, standing in line while also listening to the music and on our phones, watching a movie while also on our phones, talking to someone while also on our phones, <laughs> notice that phones tend to be a thread that makes us mind less. Um, so that's what this shows about just being more mindful of our relationship to things, not to shame ourselves, not to label. I don't think we necessarily need labels, although for some people it makes things real, helps them find the right resources, but hold labels loosely just because you're something now doesn't mean you're always that. 
and um, you're allowed to say, I don't want to do labels. I just want to look at my relationship to food, my relationship to drugs, my relationship to alcohol, my relationship to exercise. You don't have to, you know, identify as an addict or, you know, someone has disordered eating. You don't need those labels. Um, but for some people, again, they like those terms. I just think they can limit us and trap us and we can misapply them and think, oh, well, I'm an addict. So everything's tied to my addiction. No, not necessarily. And once you're an addict does not mean always an addict. We can heal and improve our relationship to things. For instance, food. You can cannot just not deal with food. Drugs and alcohol, it's very easy. You can get rid of them. I'm not worried about people uh, getting rid of drugs and alcohol from their life when maybe down the road they could have used them because you'll live a great life without. Food, sex, there are things that we need to learn how to have in our lives. And uh, everyone who's in recovery with the relationship to sex or food, they are demonstrating by their mere existence that we can shift and change and heal and grow um, and resolve. Um, otherwise, what are those treatment centers even doing? What is therapy even doing? Um, so we're kind of grounding ourselves in that. I wanted to throw some stats at you. I think stats can be really good at really driving home the uh, power intensity of something. Uh, some of this is more male oriented. Um, and again, the research was really done on cisgendered males. So can we apply that to trans men or to females? Yes and no. Uh, again, stats aren't 100%. They are based on the population that was sampled. That cannot necessarily be universalized to everyone just because a study showed, you know, a study that was done at, you know, NYU in New York City showed this. Well, that told us about those people at NYU that the study was done on. That doesn't necessarily mean that applies because remember, our other identities will shift and change. Um, and again, if a study was done on all white cis heteros, that does not mean it applies to gay people, uh, trans people, black people, people of color. It, it doesn't always work like that. Those can, and that's why we have books about people of color with eating disorders, because yes, it is a different path and journey than people that are white with eating disorders, because white people have more access and have more privilege, and that all matters. So I'm always throwing that in there when we're looking at research. So these are not, these are not definitive, and these are also a couple years old. Things have gotten worse. So things are worse than the stats I'm going to share with you. That's actually more heartbreaking why I'm doing this topic. They've gotten worse. The numbers are growing, not shrinking, because fitness and health has become very policing. And, and people will literally say things when I'm normalizing fatness and you know, eating food for joy and food as a coping mechanism, they'll say, yes, as long as you're healthy. And I'm saying, no, you are allowed to be unhealthy if you want. That is a choice. I'm not health policing anyone. All the topics I share with you are up to you if you choose to engage them and step into them. You are allowed to be unhealthy. So I won't ever say, but as long as you're healthy. I'll say mental health first. How do you feel about these topics and your relationship to these topics? Um, so that's the caveat. Uh, but a lot for us all to learn, you know, whether you're actually struggling in these topics or not, um, can keep us in check and we can help others, right. With their relationship to food and exercise. So gonna, um, coming up next, we're going to, uh, step back into this, drop some stats on you. These were really profound for me and they kind of round out the struggle. Of course, we'll be doing some DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Stick around though, y'all more to come. You are listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on channel Q and Odyssey more to come. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. 
Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, so we are back and we're looking at our relationship to uh, food and our bodies and uh, I'm going to be sharing some stats with you. And I'm saying these don't apply universally. These are also ones that have sadly gotten worse. So these numbers are low. These issues are getting worse and more of the population are struggling with this. It used to be smaller. It used to be more centered around females that had disordered eating. And then it became athletes and males. And now the numbers are astronomical. And so I want to kind of just frame that, that this is just the surface we're scratching. Um, four out of five men. So four of five, that's a, that's a high number. Um, we're talking about 80% plus report having distress about their bodies. So 80% of men have body image issues and I'm centering the male experience because it's less familiar to us. Um, we're very familiar with females having eating disorders and disordered eating and relationships to food and exercise. So I want to really get into the male perspective, although this applies to everyone. Um, especially cause I don't believe in there being such a thing as a man or a woman. There's different types of men. There's different types of women line them all up. There's a lot of distinctions, also similarities. We can't globalize. There's nothing that you could say all men fill in the blank. Nope. doesn't work like that. We have trans men. We have cis men. We have black men, white men, all these other identities and, 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 and social locations shift and change. So I just want to hold space for that. 80% have an issue with their bodies. That is not okay. We culturally all have a responsibility for that number. This is not an individualized issue. This issue is not solved by someone going into treatment by themselves or sitting alone in a therapy session once a week. This is a cultural issue. This is macro created. People are not born not liking their bodies. It doesn't work like that. They are taught to not like their bodies. They internalize messages that tell them their body is not okay or they need to look a certain way to be a true man or to be desirable or to be dateable. We have collectively as a culture, as a culture, we have created a market system, a market value. We've all signed off, most of us, on certain traits being what is healthy, what is hot, what is masculine. And then everyone's at the mercy of trying to fit into that or challenge that. So this is a macro level issue that also exists on a micro level, but people are victimized by this. This is not something that is just an, an internalized psychological issue. So when someone has a problematic relationship to food or exercise, they are on the receiving end. They're a victim to what's going on in relationship to those topics culturally. That is not a psychological issue, but there are psychological impacts and there are psychological outcomes but it is not fair to just say it's, there's something wrong with this person because they've disordered eating or a disordered relationship with their body or exercise, and we're going to fix it and ignore the macro and meso level 
you know, um, uh, um, uh, causes, right? People are only coming to our offices with the symptoms, the causes outside of them. So there's larger work to do. 80% of males now have an issue with their body. That number has grown. Okay. It's not that there are just more and more people being born with this issue in them. It is not a genetic thing. This is a social creation. So that's why I keep saying this, whether you identify as one of those 80% or not, you are a part of that problem or you're part of that solution. Everything you say, everything you do, everything you click on and like, and everything you post is either in service of strengthening that or the opposite. Every time you're dating and you're asking people their height and their weight, you are a part of that issue. Every time you're posting workout videos before and after, you are a part of that issue. We need to get away from all that. Our worth and our value is not tied to the body we have and whether or not we're performing desirability. We need to get away from that. That is toxic. That is why 80% of people feel like they don't have any worth and value if they don't look a certain way. 80% of people don't feel like their bodies are good enough because they're all trying to live up to some socially created standard that doesn't even speak to health. I see people talking about their health and they're carrying a bag full of toxic chemical supplements, drinking a Red Bull, Red Bull taking a scoop of this, a scoop of that. And it's like, where steroids, overtraining, where's health in that? Nowhere. But yet we'll shame fatter, larger bodies as being unhealthy. It's ridiculous. It's fatness that we hate. If you're drinking Red Bulls and taking steroids and overtraining, you are not working on health. You are working on the fear of fatness, which exists in our culture. We are a fat phobic culture. And that is what's driving a lot of people's overtraining disordered eating, a fear of being fat, not working towards health, but we'll frame it as health, thereby getting, thereby getting away with letting ourselves off the hook and being let off the hook with our disordered eating and our disordered relationships to our bodies. Because we are so against fatness that anything that is working away from that, we're going to sign off on. Dear God, we need to ask more questions. If someone's saying, I'm going to the gym. Don't immediately assume that that's a healthy thing because they might be injured and should be staying home. They might be turning down something more meaningful, like hanging out with friends and family in order to engage in this disordered exercise. I don't know. But a lot of it is about aesthetics and a fear of fatness and trying to participate with feeling desirable, respectability and desirability politics. Very rarely is it about health. And that's as evidenced by the way people are demonstrating what they're doing at the gym. They, they show that they're going with visuals and they see success being rooted in visuals, which tells us it's about the visual and we're all trapped in that. I'm not shaming the desire or drive to be desirable or attractive. That is something that we're all culturally struggling with. I'm trying to say we have to get healthier and try to weaken that. Also challenge it in ourselves and not participate and cooperate in keeping that ball in the air to the extent that we all do. It is not as easy as calories in and calories out. And for a lot of people, there's other priorities and things going on in their lives. But 80% of males having an issue with their body is not okay. Um, this one study I looked at said 80% of males felt bad about their bodies were only 75% of females. There are some studies showing it's actually now greater in men. Men are expected to be certain things, to look a certain way, to be muscular, to be tall, all sorts of things. And then there's subcultures where they're expected to be hairless and this and that, uh, penis size shame. It's a mess. And we're all in this together and, and we're all strengthening these core pieces or we're undoing them. 
All right, when we come back, we're going to keep talking about this. I'm going to keep throwing a few more stats at you. Talk about how to pull ourselves out of this. Because uh, again, whether or not you're struggling with this, you will and might at some point, or you're definitely relating to some people that are. We can all be part of that solution. And then, of course, we'll be doing some DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page, questions, topics, things you want us to circle back to. Uh, you're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around, y'all, because we'll be right back. All right, we're back we're talking about uh, our relationships to our bodies and beauty and fitness and food. Um, looking at some of these stats, 60% of men, that again, far too high, uh, remove their body hair. I know that that's far greater in women. We're talking about the male perspective because that's often not talked about and uh, pathologized and, and whatnot. So we're coming from that angle first. 60% of men remove their body hair. It is natural to have body hair at every gender. All genders have body hair all over their entire bodies. And 60% uh, of men have shame about it, which we shouldn't. They're, that speaks to nothing. But again, we're all trying to participate in uh, respectability and desirability politics in the world. And we're trying to conform to what we've been told we need to conform to, to feel attractive, to feel like a man, to feel like a woman, to feel good. And uh, it's letting us all down because very few of us just naturally look the ways we think we're meant to look. It takes a lot of time, takes a lot of energy, a lot of upkeep. People are exhausted. Um, so this work applies to all of us. Um, sadly, culturally, we've really defined our bodies as a project, this thing that needs to be tamed and worked on versus recognizing it's just a vehicle. Yes, we want to maintain it like we maintain our car because it gets us from point A to point B and we want to get there safely, but we shouldn't be obsessing about it as though our totality of worth is tied to it. That's a problem. Um, and so the work isn't on our bodies. The work needs to be on our minds. We need to back off of working so much on our bodies and trying to make them look a certain way, which for some of us is not even achievable anyway, or at least not in the realm of anything healthy. And what it requires is completely unhealthy. But we have to work on our mind, our perspective. Why are we doing this? Who's this serving? Is this good for us? What are we participating in? Do we want to participate in that? Do we want to spend time and be in relationships with people that require that from us or mandate that from us? Like we really have to start asking these hard questions. Um, the body seems easier to fix than the mind where people are like, I'll just lose the weight. I'll just overtrain. I'll just take supplements that aren't good for me. I'll just starve myself. It's like, okay, I appreciate that that seems easier and we all want to feel good and desirable. But if we can change those standards and push on those boundaries, it, it, it allows more space for more of us to feel desired. Um, so we really got to work with our minds, not our bodies. And diet and gym culture have profited off that idea that we should always be working on ourselves, that we always should be improving, that we always should be you know, focusing on our health. The work is actually about acceptance, letting yourself just be how you are and focusing on fun. What feels good to eat? What feels good to do with movement? Go to the gym and do what feels fun. Shocks people when I say that. I had someone say to me, hey, um, I don't even remember what, what exactly it was, but they were wanting to talk to me about something I was doing. And I said, hey, I'm just here for fun. And they were like shocked. And I was like, don't have a goal. Just here for fun because I know it's good to move my body. It's good for my heart. It's good for my bone density to lift weights. I enjoy it. Got my music on. It's just about fun. It ain't that deep. I'm not an athlete. I'm not a model. It isn't that deep. So for athletes and models, y'all are in a different camp. Uh, but for those of us, the bulk of us that aren't, doesn't matter. I just want to be able to uh, feel strong and uh, have full use of my body for as long as I can, period. It ain't that deep. You know, and I try to remind myself every time I step into a gym and I'm seeing all these people that are meeting the requirements they think they need to meet to feel attractive and, and healthy. And I say to myself, you don't need to do that. 
That is not real. And the things they might have done to get that aren't things you're even willing to do. And I say to myself, cooperate to the extent you're willing to cooperate with all of this and focus on having fun. And when it gets hard, stop and go home. It's not that deep, but that's a really hard thing for people to do. And I've had to work really hard on that. You need to work on accepting like what's reasonable for me based on the energy I have, based on the finances I have, based on the, my schedule, what's reasonable and, and go with that and allow that. Don't struggle. Your body's not a problem to fix. It's a vehicle to take care of and to have fun with. There's nothing broken or wrong. Um, so work on changing your mind and less work on changing your body. Don't change your body, change how you see it and how you relate to it. It's so liberating. We're actually trying to neutralize. We're not trying, if you notice, I'm not trying to say love your body. You might never, you might never be given that permission culturally. We're just trying to neutralize it and say, it's not that deep. <laughs> it's this thing that gets me around. Just like your car doesn't matter. As long as your car can get you from A to B, we're good. Doesn't matter how much you spent, who cares? Like someone doesn't bougie your car, I'm not impressed. That's That tells me nothing about the person. That tells me nothing about what it'd be like to have them in my life or to be in their life. Awesome, congratulations. In fact, for some people, I think it's a waste of money. Nonetheless, as long as it's safe, and that's what I want us to do with our bodies. As long as I know it will get me where I need to go, and if, and if it can't, leaning on the resources that help me achieve what I'm trying to achieve, but making it less meaningful. We take it way too seriously. It's too intense. Um, and that's what I want us to focus on. So we're going to, uh, when we come back, we're going to slide into those DMS and then we'll keep talking about our relationship to bodies and food and all that. Um, something that we all need culturally, but also a lot of us individually, but, uh, DMS are next. So if you got a DM for us, any question you're wondering about always anonymous, we're not going to, you know, call you out, uh, whatever you're wondering about someone else might be as well, you know, so get those questions in there, uh, topics you want covered. We're happy to hear about that. Something you want us to circle back and drop deeper into explain more. Always let us know. That's the DMS on our love line IG page and, um, channel Q. That's where you want to go. We are channelq.com. looking for love line, scroll down and click on it. That will help you listen to past episodes where we're reinforcing a lot of this work. It's about repetition. It's about practice. It's about taking it out into your life and actually applying it, making it yours, internalizing it. All right. So stick around more to come. You are listening to love line with Dr. Chris on channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. Now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, my name is Amanda. My ex and I broke up about a month ago. I'm doing really well, better than I thought I'd be. However, I've been hearing from multiple people after our breakup. She's been going around and telling people things about our relationship, most of which are false. Like she says, she paid for everything. She covered our entire rent and that we had problems with sex because of me, all of which are not true. I want to put it, I love how I said all of which I'm like a narrator. I want to put an end to this, uh, but I could go back and forth because it's not even worth it. <clears throat> so there's not really a question in there. You're kind of just expressing and sharing, but I, I understand where you're at. First off, a month ago is not long. I don't know how long you're together. It actually doesn't even matter. I think some people will illegitimize or over-legitimize our feelings based on the length of time we're with someone, which... I always find really problematic because um, people can be, have been together for years and never really have attached or really connected. People could have been separating emotionally for a long time. Someone could have been in our life for a very short time, but still been very meaningful and impactful. So length of time doesn't matter. But what I do want to honor is it's only been a month since you've been apart from, and it takes a lot of time for us to really quiet down that connection and the intensity of what we had. Um, 
I kind of feel like your question also becomes a call to action to, to my listeners, which is when a relationship ends, you still have a responsibility to exit with integrity and respect for the person you were with. You do not have a right because the relationship is over to put them on blast, talk poorly about them, disclose uh, secrets that, you know, that they confided in you. That is a warning sign to other people. I want us to not feel okay about that. So if you're someone's friend and they come to you and they're like, yeah, I'm not dating so-and-so anymore. Let me tell you everything horrible about them. Say, let me stop you. I know you're hurt. I know you're no longer with them, but I'm not going to help you break that boundary. I don't want to hear anything that was told to you in secrecy. Honor that still because you're saying to them, I'd want you to do that even in our friendship. Because if this person, when they're hurt or wounded or let down, puts people on blast, they'll do that to their friends. They'll do that to their family members, potential partners. Let's not normalize doing that. Uh, Let's normalize being better when we exit. Let's normalize being better when we're hurt. It's kind of part of the deal, but I'm sorry this is happening to you. I would stay out of it. I wouldn't try to correct all the wrongs. Um, let them say whatever they need to say. They're going to come off completely un, you know, dysregulated and ridiculous. But people's opinions about you aren't what you should be concerned about. Um, be happy that you're out of that because how someone handles the ending of a relationship also tells us about their mental health. And uh, this isn't someone who really is ready to be someone's partner if this is how they're handling a breakup and their disappointment. So focus on spending time around the people that do value you and will reflect that back in various ways so as to be reminded that, you know, you have worth and value and really stay away from that ex of yours Um, and, and really try to empathize with how difficult that breakup must have been or how much they must miss you if they are acting out that wounding to this extent because hurt people hurt people and they must be very hurt if they feel the need to uh, negatively talk about you and gossip. But again, to my listeners, let's not do that when we go through breakup. Let's not become comfortable with that. Let's not normalize that. Um, Let's really work on being far better than that. I think this is too familiar to too many people. A lot of people hearing that aren't shocked because they've done that. They will do that. They've had that done to them. I want these kinds of things to be shocking. Like, oh, wow, you guys were together. Why is there not care still? I'm friends with all of my exes because I leave lovingly. I leave before things are horrible. I treat them well as we're uncoupling. And I continue to have them in my life because just because sex or romance didn't work out doesn't mean I can't still have some kind of relationship with them. That's the goal, keeping people in our lives, not having to remove them. So we have a lot of work to be better. We don't, we don't have the best norms. We don't have the best influences. So be a better friend or family member and hold people accountable to being better when they're let down or getting through a breakup. And, um, Yeah. So again, to the author of this question, sorry that that's happening. Not much you can do, but what you can do is spend time around those that again, reflect back your worth and your value so that your confidence doesn't tank around this, you know? Got a lot of work to do, y'all. Uh, all right, DMs. They come from our Loveline IG page. Got a question for us? Drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Got a topic, something you want us to circle back to, drop deeper into. Let us know and uh, past episodes over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline, click on it. You can binge, post, reshare, and listen. Lots of good stuff. It's all about the unlearning and then relearning. So got to kind of get that into practice. But um, stick around. More to come. We'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around. We'll be back. More to come. All right, y'all, we are back and we're talking about our relationship to food and our bodies. Why? Because the uh, summer's coming and unfortunately, 
all the uh, fat phobia and the body shamers, not that they've ever gone back under the rock, but there'll be a loud and proud blast and talking about dress for your body, you know, uh, getting a beach body. Every body is a beach body. You just take your body to the beach. Don't dress for your size. Wear what you think is fun and comfortable and you feel hot in. We don't need to hide our bodies. There are no problem areas. That's my body. And if you're thicker, you're thicker. show it, wear it. We're trying to neutralize our experience and we're not hiding anything. We're not trying to look healthy. We're not trying to look thin. We're not trying to look athletic. This is what I got. This is what I'm working with. Here it is. Full blast, putting it out there. It's about body neutrality, uh, changing the way we relate to everything. Essentially, we're working on our minds. Stop putting so much effort into the body and put it into the mind. Um, Shame never leads to any shift. I, we already know that within the field of mental health, shaming someone is not a motivating force or emotion. In fact, it's quite the opposite. And the work should be about being yourself, being authentic, being liberated, getting out of oppression, not meeting body standards that our culture has arbitrarily chosen that change from culture to culture and time period to time period. There are currently even still now in existence, different subcultures that value different things, which is always part of the work. You know, find environments that really value the kind of body you have and want to have. Stop trying to participate in worlds that you don't belong in or don't exist in or aren't healthy for you. Something very liberating in that. If you're living in a world where everyone is straight-sized or gym-bodied and are obsessed about that with that and always talk about it, it's going to be very hard to survive being off, opposite or different or outside of that. You can change that internally or you got to you know really move on to a different circle. But... um just got to be where we are. I really want us to back off of that. And therapist, shame on you if you're supporting weight loss and body goals like that. We should not be weighing ourselves, measuring ourselves. That is tied to aesthetics. That is not tied to mental health. In fact, that is the opposite of mental health. That is keeping disordered eating and a disordered relationship alive. And that is strengthening it. And that is participating in it. That is co-signing on that. So let's be better, those in the mental health field, and say, hey, let's step outside of that and actually work on forming a better and healthy relationship to our bodies. Um, Earlier in the show, I was telling you, 80% of men have distress and anxiety about their body shape and size. 60% of men are removing their body hair. That is a natural, normal thing for a lot of people. There should be no shame in that. We're moving away from that kind of stuff. Um, Excuse me. Dieting has over 95% failure rate. It doesn't work. That is not a long-term shift or change. That is something that people will shame themselves into, temporarily maybe pull off, and then shame themselves when they fail. It's something that 95% of people are failing at. That means that is not working. That means we need a new solution. There is no medical treatment or anything else on this planet that if it had a 95% failure rate, we would keep pushing it. If a certain car failed 95% of the times, that that would be off the market. If a medication failed 95% of the times, that would not be FDA approved. That would be off the market. Why are we still pushing dieting and weight loss? It doesn't work. It leads to yo-yoing, which is actually what causes the negative side effects. It's the cycling. That's what leads to long-term heart and health damage. And no one should be given the task of spending their entire life battling their genetics or their lifestyle. Not everyone has the money, the energy, the time, or the care to participate in trying to customize or modify or abuse their body into looking some way that it wasn't meant to look or isn't able to look. 
We have genetics, we have metabolism, we have hormones, we have mental health, we have life events and stressors. These are other factors. That's why I hate when I hear people say, just move your body, calories in and calories out, it's simple. No, it's not, it's bigger than that. Like I said, we're talking about genetics, metabolism, hormones, lifestyle stuff. Do you have the money, do you have the finance, do you have the energy, do you have childcare? Do you even care? Is this even healthy for you? No one should have to spend their lives battling all that. And no one should be worrying about someone else's physical health like that. It's called health policing. It doesn't work. No one should have to change their body because of your comfort or discomfort. Worry about yourself and try to be supportive of your friend and however it is that they currently look and move through the world. That's the work. People are allowed to just be where they are. How we care for our bodies or don't is a private matter. We get to have boundaries around that. You don't have a right to weigh in on that. The fact that people will walk up to other people and say you shouldn't eat that. The fact that people will say to a family member or a friend, you're putting on weight. That is That tells us about you, that you are cruel, that you don't care about mental health. That is not caring and that is actually not compassionate at all. That is having no boundaries. You are not safe to be around. I'm working with people and setting boundaries with people like you saying, that is not appropriate to not talk about my body again. That is not on the table for discussion. <clears throat> we talk a lot about that on the show when we get to holiday time because that's when people go home and go back into these environments where all this occurred. We're working on resolving our disordered eating, our body image problems, our muscle dysphoria, this idea that as a man, we have to be larger, more muscular, more muscular, take up more space, this compulsive exercising. We're trying to resolve that. And we do that with body acceptance saying, I'm okay the way I am and where I'm at. Neutralizing our relationship to food and exercise. Coming up next, we're going to keep talking about this. This is important. This is mental health. And this is woven into so many people's lives, too many people's lives now. The numbers are getting worse, not better. So stick around. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right. We're talking about our problematic and disordered relationships to food and our bodies and fitness and exercise. This is something where the numbers are growing and growing. Why does it matter? Well, just looking at sample sizes of men, 80% have anxiety or uh, discomfort around their bodies. That's big enough and good enough for me. And uh, it's actually getting worse. And the numbers with females is just as bad and also sometimes worse as well. So this is a cultural pandemic. This is something that's needing resolve. So we're going to start talking about um, some of the uh, solutions. Remembering one in three people that have an eating disorder, one in three is male. One in three. Uh, the risk for mortality, the risk for death is higher with men. And 90%, ready for this one? Not acceptable. This is heartbreaking. 90% of teenage boys exercise with the goal of trying to get bigger because they've been taught and they believe that they are better and they have more worth and more value and more desirable. And they're more of a man if they are more, if they are larger, if they take up more space, if they have more muscle. 90% versus them learning that like you're good where you're at. Who cares if you have biceps? Who cares if you have abs? It has nothing to do with health. And that doesn't really change the course of your life. Be a good person. Let's focus on the mind and ethics and emotions. Let's work on being a good person. Let's, instead of lifting weights, work on our mental health, loving ourselves, loving other people, getting these systems, <clears throat> getting these values out of our systems. It's not good. It's not good. Um, I wanted to see if I want to get right into the solution or just kind of bulk up some more. Um, 
Okay, I guess we'll get into the solution. Um, so what do we want to do? Because this is something we all have to do, even if we're not directly impacted by it. This is something, this is a ball that we're all kind of keeping in the air. This is a symptom, a system that we all have to work to dismantle. Because remember, this isn't just individual. It's not like, ah, that person hates their body. It's something um, psychic inside. Uh, I hope they work on that in therapy once a week. It's like, no, that's actually something that they've been socialized in. They've internalized cultural messages and family messages and social messages. It's a social issue. And the work is outside of the therapy office as well as inside and we can and we are all a part of keeping this problem alive we all have work to do so the first thing is we have to unlearn what we've learned and you have to do that by re-educating yourself yes if you want to work on having a healthy relationship with your body and food you're going to have to do some education you're going to have to start studying you have to read some books you're going to have to surround yourself with different resources and messaging hundred percent i have all my clients doing some of this research. We need to surround ourselves with it. Read stuff that's H-E-A-S, health at every size, because health does exist at every size. Being small does not inherently mean you're healthy. Being larger bodied does not inherently mean you're unhealthy. Health exists at every size. Ill health exists at every size. You do not just send your, do your doctor a picture of your body to be diagnosed. It is not aesthetically driven. We need to educate ourselves. So read health at every size material. Work with a personal trainer or a dietitian who practices health at every size. If you're going to work with a disordered eating therapist, make sure they don't talk about weight loss and scales and whatnot, and that they're also about health at every size. If you're going to work with a nutritionist, work with an anti-diet dietitian, an anti-diet nutritionist, an anti-diet therapist who isn't going to put you on a diet because 95% of them fail and it's dangerous. We want to work with body positive personal trainers that won't weigh you or measure you. And they'll talk to you about health and strength and lifestyle and your goals and finding fun and joy in moving your body. So that's part of the unlearning. We have to look at the source of where we're learning and find new sources. Listening to the things around you isn't going to help. Listening to those ads on Instagram aren't going to help. They're trying to make money. They're trying to shame. They're trying to make us all look the same. And that is not possible for us. And we don't have to participate in it. So unlearn, you have to ask yourself, where am I learning these things? So I can stop that learning, put a block there and unlearn and relearn somewhere else. But you have to do some research. Look at where this is all coming from. Then we move into action. You're going to have to do some things differently. You're going to have to work on asserting yourself and setting boundaries. That means stopping conversations about your body and about bodies. Saying to your friends, let's not be those friends that are always talking about our bodies and how fat we feel and our exercise routines. Let's not talk about that at all because it doesn't matter and it keeps us trapped, it keeps us caring, it keeps it prioritized, keeps us obsessed. So you can say, let's not do that, or you can say, I don't wanna do that right now, let's talk about something else. When I'm around, I don't wanna be forced into assessing how my body looks. We're at lunch, let's eat our food, enjoy and laugh. Why are we talking about fitness and food and calories? So that's part of the action, stop those conversations. Then you also have to start unfollowing all of those Instagram accounts that are reinforcing all of that, telling you to count macros, telling you to weigh your body, having before and afters, telling you that how you look and, and it, it matters and also that losing weight makes you better or makes you more desirable because that's not true. Unfollow all of that and refollow body diverse stuff, body neutral stuff, health at every size, um, people that are about fat rights, 
unfollowing the anti-fat, fat-phobic messaging. You cannot feel good about your body if you are hearing messaging that's telling you you're not desirable, acceptable based on how you look and who you are. So stop the conversations generally, or at least when you're around, unfollow and start refollowing better and start living differently. Start talking openly about how all bodies are beautiful, how it doesn't matter how you feel about your body. Your body's a vehicle that gets you around. It doesn't really matter as long as it's strong and functional to the best it can. If that's what you want, that's what matters. And really moving through the world differently. We need more access to that. Um, I'm trying to think if I want to push forward or wait until after the break. I guess we'll, we'll take a break and then when we come back, we're going to keep talking about the action steps to uh, prioritize your mental health and well-being and happiness because that's what it's about. <laughs> Feeling liberated from all this, focusing on other things that make you happy and content and just your general overall well-being. And that means we have to have a different relationship to food and exercise and fitness. And we have to change the relationship those around us have as well. You know, it's a, it's a system. So um, after the break, we're going to come back and talk about that. And then we'll be doing some DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page, questions, topics, things you want us to circle back to, drop deeper into. And uh, past episodes of the show, we're always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline and click on it. It's all there, y'all. So stick around. We'll be back. There's more to come. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q in Odyssey. All right, y'all, we are back and we're just finishing up our discussion on what are the actions we have to take so as to liberate ourselves and free ourselves and liberate and free those around us from body shaming and disordered eating and food phobia and anti-fatness and all of these forces that we're all impacted by, some people more so than others. And I was sharing stats, one in three people with an eating disorder is a man. This is, this is not gendered. 90% um, of teenage boys want to have a more muscular, bigger body. Why? Because that to them makes them normal, hotter, cooler. But it doesn't matter. That is an arbitrary thing we made up. We could have gone the inverse, that it's better to be a man without muscles. Like These are all very arbitrary. Um, but we're talking about the action steps. We were talking about unlearning. It takes a lot of work. You got to start reading messages that are the opposite. You got to start reading health at every size information, stuff that's body positive, body neutral, getting a different voice in your head. Then you got to step into action. You're going to have to set boundaries and be assertive. This is where that work is necessary and can be practiced. You're stopping conversations that are about weight loss and exercise and fitness and disordered eating and saying, we're not talking about that anymore, or at least I'm not talking about that. I don't want to hear that. I'm, let's talk about something else. You're also unfollowing those accounts and refollowing healthier accounts. Also, you're living differently. You're moving through the world differently. You're like, I want to be in different places with different people, and I'm applying a different perspective to everything. Um, also, sex positivity is in there. And I know that's a different topic for another show, but our relationship to our bodies, our relationship to our genitals, our body hair, our sexuality, all of that is tied into this. And it's often left outside of that. But we are, we're learning to love our, we're learning to love or we're learning to neutralize and to make it not matter what our body looks like. It's a vehicle. It's a, it's a resource. That's how we connect. That's how we move through the world. But our height, our weight, our, our penis size, our, our breast size, our, our, our wrinkles, our curves, none of that has anything to do with anything. We have arbitrarily decided what's hot and what's not. And we can push on that, expand beyond that. But none of it really matters. We're going beyond that. 
We'll talk about that in another show. Also, it's important to have community in whatever it is you're trying to do, whatever it is you're trying to believe in, however it is you you look and however you want to feel, whatever it is you need to feel good about, we need to be around others that also value that, that will reflect back our worth, that are in the work. We need community. And maybe that only exists with the authors you're reading and the social media accounts you're following. That's cool. Maybe you have friends that are also in it with you. Try to get some of them into it. Hey, let's go to the gym and make it fun, but let's stop stressing. Let's stop talking so much about it. Let's not miss out on things to do it. Let's team up and, and be better than that. You know, find allies. We need that. But communities there, it'll give you inspiration. You might find that socially. It might be social media you follow. Like I said, things you're reading, the therapist you're working with, the trainer you have. But we need to find that somewhere. We can't do this in isolation. This wasn't created in isolation. It was created socially. It's healed socially. That's why it's a macro thing and a micro thing. It's something we have to do about our relationship to ourselves, but also the way the world relates to us and the way we relate to the world and the parts of the world we choose to be a part of. Pay more attention to that. What do they value? Does my friends in the worlds I'm swimming in have the best ethics and values? And if not, I got to figure that out. And then also we're practicing healthier habits around food and exercise. We're, we're going to the gym for fun. We're making sure it's fun. We're not, we're leaving when it's not fun. We're stopping when it's no longer fun. We're doing intuitive exercise. What do I feel like doing here today? Listening to our bodies as to when we should go, when we should go home, when we need a break, listening to your body. Same thing with food, intuitive eating. We're eating when we're hungry and we're stopping when we're full. I know it's harder work than that. There's we, we, intuitive eating, you should be reading that, studying that, following accounts on that, talking to your therapist about intuitive eating, find intuitive eating, eating disorders, therapist or, or dietitian. Um, that's, the, that's, the, that's what we need to do. No foods are good, no foods are bad. All foods serve a different thing. Some give us vitamins, nutrients, and minerals. Others are the way we celebrate, do self-care, cope, find joy, socialize, connect. Donuts, donuts are a first date. Donuts are a way to celebrate a success. Donuts are spending time with a friend. Donuts are coping and putting a smile on your face after a hard day. It is not a bad food. It just doesn't have the same nutrients that maybe kale has. And there's a place for kale sometimes in your day if you, if you enjoy it, if you want to spend the money on it. But we round it out. There's no good, there's no bad. They have different purposes and different roles all equally valuable. And these are all the different pieces we have to work on, really disconnecting our worth to, from our health, disconnecting our worth from whether or not we're fulfilling these roles that culture has placed upon us. It's, it's a life's work. It shouldn't have to be that way, but it is. And that's why we're all working on this, right? We're getting away from food roles. We're getting away from fear of fat. We're working on our, our anxiety around all that. Ah. Uh, I'll keep talking about it, but as the summer comes, it becomes more and more and more prevalent and the intensity gets cranked up and we're taught to not trust our bodies. We're taught to disrespect our bodies. We're taught to not honor our body signals all in service of this is how you should look. Whoa. It doesn't work like that. It shouldn't have to. That's not everyone's journey. And people are different. And this also is about anti-aging. We're working on honoring aging, letting our bodies naturally I mean, there's so much in this body, the, our work with our body, like I said, is about sex positivity. It's about our gender. It's about class. It's about race. It's about aging. There's so much in there. It's important work. And we'll talk more about those other pieces of that constellation. But tonight, I just want to focus more on the food and the exercise. And, you know, again, this isn't in place of, but this is to kind of get you curious, plant some seeds, get some motivating motivation going. So stay in the work. Um, all right, coming up next, we're going to do some DMs. So if you've got some DMs for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Listen to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. Selling a little or a lot? 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we really need new phones t-mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iphone 15s and each line is only 25 dollars a month new iphone 15s it's better over here. only at t-mobile get four iphone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Modelo, the markable fighter. Trick responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. All right, y'all, we are back. And now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. And says, hey, Dr. Chris and Loveline, I've experienced something odd the other week. Don't really know what to do about it. I was getting a massage. And as the masseuse was going lower, I found myself getting aroused. Of course you did. Most people are only touched when they're naked or touched in that area in an erotic context. So your body associates being naked and being touched or having that area touched with sex. So of course you're turned on. It's like me being surprised that, you know, my my uh, mouth is watering if someone's rubbing a donut on my lips or on my face. My face is only used to having a donut rubbed on it when it's about to get shoved in and enjoyed and tastes delicious. So yeah, I'm going to start salivating. I'm going to open my mouth if you rub a donut in front of me. It's a Pavlovian response. So that's a normal thing. It's very arousing and it feels good to be rubbed in our lower area for most of us. So understandably, you respond with arousal. It's a healthy, normal response. It's what you do about that that determines your boundaries and consent because the person giving that to you is a professional. They're not trying to turn you on. They're trying to give you pleasure and relaxation in a different way. And so your work is about honoring that and holding that boundary, but just letting your body be where it's at. Back to your question though, you said, I got so aroused that I actually excused myself to go to the bathroom. I'm actually hearing that you got so aroused that you went into shame and excused yourself to try to work through it. 
Um, but your question, you said, this has never happened to me. And I felt extremely embarrassed, made up an excuse that I had to leave that got out of there as quickly as possible. Is this normal? Yes, it's normal. It's normal. It's expected. Um, all professional massage therapists are trained to know how to deal with that. They'll also have good boundaries and they will not be embarrassed. They will understand that when you touch someone in certain areas that are associated with arousal and eroticism, that they will become aroused and maybe eroticize it. So know that they're familiar with that. That happens to them often, that they are trained to expect it. They know how to deal with that. Your role is just to relax and allow it to happen, but to also hold your boundaries. Um, it's just part of the game, you know? So don't be embarrassed. That's a natural, understandable, healthy response. Um, all right, we have time for another one. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, someone I know has been coping with their anxiety by watching porn. They're beginning, they, they started beginning to do this during pandemic uh, as opposed to relying on healthier coping mechanisms like, like reaching out to others or their inner self. It's gotten to a point where they uh, react to the smallest of triggers with a desire to escape to porn. How can they navigate this situation? Well, remember, coping mechanisms are everything we do to deal with what's coming at us, right? Because we don't always have the internal resources to deal with what's happening externally. And self-care are kind of those things that have a positive or neutral impact on us. So that's always like my first framework. But there's no right or wrong way to deal with um problems or anxiety. For some, masturbation is a really great way to deal with coping with anxiety. It's soothing, it's grounding, it's anchoring. Um, any right brain any right brain activity, reading, meditating, stretching, going for a walk, taking a bath, listening to music, masturbation is no different. Why, why is it okay to, when you're anxious, take a bath, read a book, watch a TV show, call a friend, comb your hair, cook something? Why is that all acceptable? But, oh my God, sex, no way. Oh my God, masturbating, oh my God. What's the difference? Sex is the difference. You're sex phobic. So let your friend do whatever they do to cope. Why, why can they not masturbate to soothe themselves? If they cook and feel better, take a bath and feel better, go for a jog and feel better, call a friend and feel better, or masturbate and feel better, they feel better, so it worked. Why can't that be what they go to? Why is it better for them to cook or run? Because that's not sex. This question's actually just, again, sex-phobic. You can use whatever you need to use to ground yourself. What I want people to have is a wealth of things to rely upon because we won't always have access to the one or two that we prefer. So sure, I'll agree that he or she should expand outside this one way and one way only, but I hope you say that to all of your friends. If your friend, whenever they're upset, only calls another friend, I hope you say to them, great when you can access someone, but you need to learn other methods. So make sure you're saying that to everyone who's only using the same method over and over, because then I'll believe that you're not sex phobic and that it's not about sex, that it's actually about them continually only going to this one resource that might not always be there when they need it, which would be my only concern. So when I talk about self-soothing, I include sex and masturbation, which often includes porn, when I also talk about stretching and reading and yoga and cooking and a bath, because sex is not bad. Sex is not a wrong way. You're allowed to travel and see art. You're allowed to travel to have sex. You're allowed to spend the day watching six hours of football than Real Housewives. You are also allowed to spend the day watching six hours of porn. There is no distinction. There are right brain activities and ways to find pleasure. And if sex makes it bad, then we're being sex phobic. And with that, y'all, we're going to close the show. Thanks for hanging out with me, you all. We'll be back tomorrow night. Take care of yourselves and those around you. As always, good night, y'all. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. (laughs) 